Hey there, podcast listener. How you doing? So listen, thank you so much for listening to Latino USA. And we'd like to better understand who is listening and how you're using podcasts. So would you do us a favor and please help us out by completing a short anonymous survey at npr.org slash podcast survey, all one word. It takes less than 10 minutes. And you know, it really, really helps support our show. That's npr.org slash podcast survey. Now, here's the show. We started a band very young when I was like eight years old. Eight? Yeah, something like that. (laughs) On Fridays, they did like 15 minutes before you left the school, they did this radio program for all the classes. They were, I don't know, the principal was talking to the students and they were, then somebody was reading I don't know, a poem or something. And then the three of us, we sing a song that we wrote during the week. (laughs) But it was funny songs for children. Do you remember any of them? No. But you started performing then for you. Yeah. Everybody in your school was listening to you sing. Yeah. That was the beginning of my career. From NPR and Futuro Media, it's Latino USA. I'm Maria Hinojosa, and today, a portrait of Enrique Bunbury. You may not know it, but Enrique Bunbury is a Spanish rock legend. And yet, here in the United States, he could walk by a crowded street in a major city, and many people wouldn't even know that. With over 30 years in the business, Bumburi is known for constantly reinventing himself, taking his electric guitars and fusing them with cabaret, ballads, tropical rhythms, and now in his latest album, Electronic Music. Bumburi made a name for himself as the frontman of Héroes del Silencio, one of the pillars of rock en español in the 1980s and early 1990s. Then he started a successful solo career that continues to this day. His 10th studio album, Posible, will be out soon. Bumburi's loyal fans have followed him throughout all of the different phases of his musical expression. Earlier this year, he published a letter on his website for his followers, letting them know that Posible will be his most personal album yet. Today, we sit down with Bumburi to discuss his 30-year career, what he does to stay current, and what is it about music that keeps him going. Enrique Bumburi, thank you so much for joining me on Latino USA. It's a pleasure to be with you here. You are a humongous rock star in many countries, in Latin America, in Spain, here in the United States. You're building an audience, but... I'm wondering if you were to meet somebody who's never heard of you, how would you describe yourself? What would you say about yourself? Well, it's uh, it's funny because when I go to school meetings with my daughter, I meet parents of, of my daughter's friends, and obviously they don't know me. And sometimes they ask me, what kind of music do you do? And I don't know what to say <laughs> because... I can try to find a definition for my last album, but trying to, to find a definition of my whole career to, to say something that can uh, show them what I have done, it's, it's kind of difficult. So normally I say Latin alternative. 
because I feel alternative and more today than everything is urban or it's, I don't know, romantic or regional, but the rest, we are all alternative. I love the notion of you, this like extraordinary rock star, having to explain to your little girl's friends like, yeah. uh, look, uh, actually I do these concerts and they're like filled to, you know, 50,000 people, but I'm just here picking up my little girl. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> So I want you to take me back to your first memories of music. So you have said that while other kids were playing soccer, you were inside writing music. Can you take me to those moments in your childhood? Where were you? What were you seeing? Were you seeing the kids, you know, kicking the soccer ball around and you were like, no, yo me quedo aquí adentro? Well, the thing is that I have an uncle that when I was between six, seven, eight years old, he was giving me these cassettes of music that he recorded at home with mainly was the Beatles. That was the thing. For me, listening to the Beatles at that age, it was like a revelation. This is what I love. And what I felt listening to those songs at home, I talked to my friends. I said, I want to do music to make feel to other people what I'm feeling right now listening to songs like In My Life. There are places I remember all my life, So what's like your favorite, you know, of that classic rock? Well, I grew up with British music like the Beatles, for example, but also with American music from Elvis Presley. To whatever happened in the 60s and the, and the 70s. Also, David Bowie was super important for me. This moment is still one of my heroes. Put on your red shoes and, dance the and in these last 30 years that I've been doing music, I have done so many things. I, I've done rock music, but I've done also Latin roots music. I've done electronic music. And I've done cabaret. So I can relate with these uh, changes that David Bowie did in his career. So in 1984, you co-found Héroes del Silencio. If you're thinking about Spanish language rock, I mean, in a lot of ways, Héroes del Silencio is like one of those pillars of the rock and Espanol movement. Would you say that? Well, in mid-80s, something was happening all around Latin America and also in Spain. Everything was changing, and in some countries it started before, some countries it started later, but there were a few bands that were happening at the same time, more or less. And in Argentina, they had Soda Stereo. <laughs> at that day, it started before, and in Mexico, Caifanes. <laughs> and in Spain, Eros El Silencio. Que 
And I think with these three bands, we had a kind of a similar attitude to the music and we came from the same influences or we love the dark music that came from England in the 80s, bands like The Cure or Joy Division. But we also knew about the classic rock. It's something that happened at the same time and there was also other bands, but they had other influences. But we three, I think we came from the same place and we developed a huge audience in our countries and then we moved to other regions. I mean, the name of the band, Héroes del Silencio, Heroes of Silence. And yet, of course, you were not silent. <laughs> not at all. But we came from a very small city in Spain, that is Zaragoza. Zaragoza is in the middle of the desert, and it's between Madrid and Barcelona. Madrid and Barcelona, they are uh, big cities, and they had all the media, and everybody was listening to what was happening there. But in Zaragoza, there were a small scene. There were people trying to do cinema, painting, uh, writing music, whatever, but nobody was listening to what we were doing. So we tried to be heroes of that silence. So Enrique, your 10th album comes out in April and we want to play a little game in okay. order to get to know your music better. So I'm going to take you on a short trip through some of your lyrics. I'm going to give you a sentence and I wonder if you can tell me what moment of your life comes to mind. Okay, okay? let's see. So, the song is Algo en Común, and the sentence is El mismo silencio al mismo tiempo, el mismo humor y descontento. El mismo humor y descontento. La misma tristeza y cansancio acumulado. That's really beautiful. Silence at the same time that there's humor and discontent, sadness and exhaustion, holding hands with hope. Well, that is a very specific moment in my life. I remember, this is from the, my second solo album that is Pequeño. It's an album that I really like. And I was, after the first album that was Radical Sonora, I had a huge problem with the record company and, well, also with my followers. Eros del Silencio was finished. I did my first solo album and between my followers there were people thinking if we don't support him, he's going to go back to Eros del Silencio. And there was no coming back. And I was thinking, well, I have to do something maybe for the last time. Maybe this is my last album, but this is going to be what I really think about everything. So I started to write, well, one of my most profound albums and most sincere with simple lyrics, very understandable lyrics, because I've done lyrics that are kind of cryptic and these are very straightforward. So I remember perfectly being in that room, in that house, alone in front of the Mediterranean Sea, writing these thoughts like, this is maybe my last album. 
que me quieres aún más. It wasn't. <laughs> God, what a great story. Okay, here goes another one. The song is El Club de los Imposibles. Si quieres cometer un par de errores nuevos, pregúntale a la banda local. If you want to commit a few little new errors, talk to the local band. Okay, that's from Flamingos. And uh, that, that moment I was living the rock star way of life, um, <laughs> the hard way. I was enjoying it a lot with all the consequences. Which means a few little errors that could be... Uh, more than two. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up on Latino USA. There is a part of me that has been doing this for a long time. And there is a part of me that has the same or even more enthusiasm than the first day. So I have both things. Sometimes I feel like I'm tired to do the same thing. Stay with us. No te vayas. This message comes from NPR sponsor BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who specialize in issues such as isolation, depression, stress, anxiety, and more. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment when you need professional help. Get help at your own time and your own pace. Schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. Visit BetterHelp.com Latino to learn more and get 10% off your first month. Hey, it's Guy Raz from NPR's How I Built This. And each week on the show during this unprecedented crisis, I'll be asking some of the top founders and builders how they're dealing with the economic impact of the coronavirus and hear about some of the ways they're pivoting to fight it. Subscribe or listen now to How I Built This. Hey, we're back. And when we left off, Enrique Bunbury had taken us through his 30-year career and his rise to the top. And while he has spent much of this time on the road, playing in massive sold-out shows, Bunbury also plays in smaller venues in order to reach as many fans as possible. And while that would seem like downsizing to some, for Bunbury, it's actually a way to connect more intimately with his audience. So you spent a lot of time touring. In 2010, you toured the U.S. You visited 15 states, Detroit, Dallas, Chicago, New York, Denver, Boston, Atlanta, New Orleans, Salt Lake City. I mean, why did you decide to tour and to tour at that moment in 2010? That was a moment that I came here to California to live. Was it in part like a business decision? Well, it was because I've been 
coming to the States since the beginning of my career with Heroes del Silencio in the late 80s and the beginning of the 90s. But in those years, I was doing the main Latin cities, Miami, New York. Sometimes I was going to Boston, Chicago, and then Houston, Dallas, and LA, San Francisco. That was it. That was my touring in the States. But I was having these conversations with my promoter here. I was saying, I know that there is Latin people everywhere in the States. There is 50 million people. Am I right? Speaking in 55. 55 million people speaking Spanish in the States. And they are not in these areas anymore. They are all around. They are spread. They are even in Canada. So I want to go there and visit them and play for them and I know that in some places there are not such a big population, Latin population, but I don't mind to come from playing in a big arena or a stadium in Mexico, go to, for example, in Milwaukee and go to play for 200 people. I'm fine with that. I don't care. So we started to build our touring schedule in another way. It wasn't easy at the beginning because in some places we were playing in Los Angeles or in New York or Chicago, we were playing for, I don't know, 3,000 people. And in some other places I was playing for 200. How did you, I mean, I'm not breaking any news here when we talk about rock stars and musicians having big egos, right? So how did you manage that in terms of like, well, my- not all rock stars can handle that. Well, I was talking to my manager. My manager always told me that what I really like the most is what he calls the impossible tour. The impossible tour is I prefer to play in Milwaukee for 200 people than playing in Madrid for 10,000. I don't want to say anything bad about playing in Madrid. I love Madrid. <laughs> love Madrid. I love Madrid. <laughs> but I have played so many times in Madrid. So for me to go there and play in in Milwaukee or to go to Tokyo, to Japan and play for 200 people, that's my happiness. I've been playing in this, what we call the impossible tour, to Poland or places like who goes there to, to play for 200 people. I love it. So we try to finance these places that I love with the rest of the tour. So you're going to be touring the United States again coming up in this November. This time you're going to play just eight cities. None of them is in the East Coast, by the way. So I'm not playing in the East Coast in November because it's so cold. (laughs) I'm playing in May. (laughs) So all it has to do with is temperature. It's temperature. So I'm going to the East Coast and I'm going to Chicago and I'm going to the North in May. (laughs) <laughs> I love that. So we'll see you on stage. Of course. For sure. For sure. So that's 2021? Yeah. That's going to be 2021. Nice and warm. Nice and warm. So you are a solo artist, but your relationship with your bands is really an essential part of your whole kind of connection as an artist. And I'm just wondering if you can talk a little bit about, again, you know, a lot of rock stars, they'll be the center And the band in the back. And for you, it's something very different. Yeah, well, I sign as a solo artist, but I work as a band. (laughs) 
my band, they have been with me, some of them, for 20 years. So they have been with me for a long time and we know each other and they are so important for me. And also the audience that comes to the shows, they know them. I'm very interested in showing them that I'm on a stage with a band, that we are a team, we work together and we record together. The people who place in the album is the people who are on stage playing for them. So your new album, your 10th studio album, is titled Possible, Possible. Yeah, um, that's right. It's really set to be a sonic turning point, and it seems that in this one you're going to be incorporating a lot of electronic elements, more so than in your previous albums. And in a note to your fans, you've said that it's a very personal album. And you've talked about, you know, from the very beginning, Héroes del Silencio was different because of this very personal connection to the lyrics. So what is going to make this particular album so personal and different for you? Well, this album, the title, Possible, it's about all the possibilities that you have left behind that you could do and you didn't, and all the possible versions of yourself that are in the future for you, that you can be a different guy. And sometimes I also think about professionally and obviously personally. What can you do? What kind of person can you be? Every day we take lots of decisions even without knowing it. I mean, you wake up and you go to the same job because you want to. You can change. There is a, a version of myself that maybe doesn't happen ever. That is me being a, a baker or a, a shoemaker or, or whatever. And there's a version of myself that can be a better husband or a better father or a better lover or whatever. And those options torture me and give me hope at the same time. There's a part, Enrique, that makes me think, like, this is also, like, the reality of getting older, right? It could be. <laughs> I mean, and I think, as they say, those of us who are over 50, it's basically, we just haven't grown up. You know, we're still like, well, we're 25, right? Yeah. How do you manage this notion of being an older rock star? Well, um, there is a part of me that has been doing this for a long time. And there is a part of me that has the same or even more en enthusiasm than the first day. So I have both things. Sometimes I feel like I'm tired to do the same thing. But at the same time, I wake up and I say what I like the most, or maybe one of the things that I like the most in the world is to write a new song, to create something that gives me life. It's very difficult for me to quit. Sometimes I feel like maybe touring is too much because writing songs, I do it at home. It's a personal thing, it's an inner thing. It's something deep and I really like it. But to go on a stage, you have to show yourself 
every day the best of you, try to play for others. And I like it also very much, but I don't know if I like it that much <laughs> to be one year and a half on stage. In fact, you said in the documentary, um, El Camino Más Largo, you know, you've been touring since 1980. You said, quote, I've wasted my entire life doing this. Mi primer concierto lo hice hace 30 años. Entonces he desperdiciado toda mi vida en esto. <laughs> so you've actually said that sometimes, that you're like... Yeah, sometimes it's happened to me. I could be another guy. It's not the only thing that I like. I love music. But everything that you do, if you really like, you have to give dedication to that. A lot of your fans come along with you as you have changed your styles from one album to another. Yeah. I Whether it's I, hard rock. I don't understand that. Why? You know, because <laughs> I'm listening and I'm kind of scrolling through the playlist and I'm like, okay, this is really intense rock and roll. Reminds me a little bit of Led Zeppelin, which I kind of love. Then there's something that reminds me of Bowie. And then there's a, una balada, you yeah. know. Ahora que uno se explota a sí mismo. I, I've done a lot of things and sometimes I, I feel like how my followers have come with me all this long journey because some of the things that I've done someday can seem like opposite even the opposite of what I've done the album before but I'm really grateful for the, my audience to understand what I do and to follow me these years. So this is a question that I like to ask artists at the end of the interviews, which is, if you could speak to yourself when you were just starting, what would you say to that younger Enrique who's just starting to play in the world of rock and roll? What would you say to him now? Trust your intuition, you're right. And the other thing, get a good lawyer. <laughs> I think you're doing both now, right? Well, I, no, I, I don't have a lawyer. But sometimes I think maybe I need one. Enrique Bulburi, thank you so much for joining me on Latino USA. It's been a real pleasure. Big pleasure for me. Thank you very much. Enrique Bunburi's new single, Las Palabras, is available now on streaming platforms. It's part of his 10th studio album, Posible, which will be out on May 29th. This episode was produced by Ginny Montalvo with help from Miguel Macias and edited by Luis Treyes. The Latino USA team includes Sofia Parisaca, Antonia Cerejido, Janice Yamoka, Alisa Escarce, and Alejandra Salazar with help from Joanne De Luna and Raul Perez. Our engineers are Stephanie LeBeau and Julia Caruso. Additional engineering this week by Leah Shaw. 
Our director of programming and operations is Natalia Fidelholtz. Our digital editor is Amanda Alcantara. Our intern is Julia Rocha. Our theme music was composed by Zenia Rubinos. If you like the music you heard on this episode, stop by latinousa.org and check out our weekly Spotify playlist. I'm your host and executive producer, Maria Hinojosa. Join us again on our next episode. And in the meantime, look for us on all of your social media. Hasta la próxima. Ciao. Funding for Latino USA's coverage of a culture of health is made possible in part by a grant from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Latino USA is made possible in part by the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation and the Ford Foundation, working with visionaries on the front lines of social change worldwide. You say that. No, no, you say that word. No, no, Miguel, you wrote it. You say it. No, you just did that to make fun of me. No, I understand. You're like, here, let's put a word in front of her that she can never say in order to make fun of her. Okay, chameleonic. I'm Maria Hinojosa. Next time on Latino USA, we look at the damage that Latino small business owners are facing during the COVID-19 crisis and how they've been shut out from the relief that was meant to help them. This is going to be a sort of generational asset destruction for communities of color and low-income people. That's next time on Latino USA.